we're starting a new series on prayer, Eight Great Prayers. Um, and I think that's because the things we want most as a church, the things we really want cannot be done without God. So let me just list a few. Uh, people becoming Christians, uh, conviction that produces a change in our lives and in our hearts and repentance and transformation, a warmth and a love for Jesus. It's been wonderful singing, hasn't it? That warmth, that sort of intensity of love for Jesus, that sense of Christian community, of brothers and sisters together, uh, love for others, perhaps in our community, perhaps further afield, a desire to serve the Lord in the world, wherever that takes us, maybe even on the frontiers, in different parts of the world where it might be dangerous. You don't get those things by um, getting the lighting right in here, choosing the right songs, getting the right midweek program, um, doing the right things on the schedule. You don't get that without God. And so we pray. We pray for these things. We're asking God for these things. These are gifts that a good, good father longs to give when people ask him. So that's why we're looking at prayer, bedrock of our Christian life together. Eight weeks, eight different prayers and their prayers. So we're going to have Abraham, the Apostle Paul, the Syrophoenician woman, Jacob, Nehemiah, Hannah, Jehoshaphat. But first, Jesus. When, um, I think I said in my email this week, when I uh, first saw someone playing the drums, it was a beautiful red pearl drum kit. Uh, when I was about seven, and it was in uh, my dad's church back then, and I just, I, I saw the kit, and I was like, wow. I think it was the first time I'd seen one in the flesh. This is kind of, you know, hot, hot rod red sun, I think. And then this guy, Richard Ellis, I think his name was, started playing it. And I just sat behind him for the whole evening, mesmerized. I was like, I could have said in that moment, teach me how to play. I really want to play. And when the disciples saw Jesus pray, when they saw that communion he had with the Lord, with his Father, when they saw the way he came away from the mountain, he often went off on his own to pray, didn't he? He must have come back. There must have been something about him. Maybe just something, the way he could face the world when he came back from those times. When they saw that, they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. I want to pray like that. So we're going to, I'm going to read you uh, this little section. It comes up, that particular phrase, the disciples asking, comes up in Luke 11. But I'm going to read from Matthew 6, which is where Jesus um, gives us the Lord's Prayer. And then we'll dip into Luke 11 as well. So let me just read those two passages to you. So Matthew 6, this is verse 5. This is Sermon on the Mount. And this is from, uh, yeah, from verse 5. When you pray, says Jesus, don't be like the hypocrites, 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father. Let's go to Luke 11 and just see that again. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, our Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The basis upon which we come to pray is as simple as it is profound. Our Father. So I'm just going to split that up. Two points. Number one, in reverse, we come to pray as children. Father. And we come to pray together. Our. Let's do it in that order. Let's think about our prayer as children. Jesus is keen to get his disciples away from performance prayers. So he was talking about the guys who like to stand on the street corners and in the synagogues and sort of pray prayers out loud for everyone to walk past and go, oh, wow, you look very sincere, very religious, very devout. Love the way you pray like that. Mm, such, such clever words. That's what they were doing. Jesus looks at that. He calls it out. He says, they're just doing that so that everyone will look at them and go, oh, wow, how impressive. And Jesus says, well, there you go. They've had their reward in full. People think they're fabulous. That's what they want. They've had their reward in full. He says to his disciples, though, don't do that. Don't do that. If you're tempted to do that, go to your room, close the door, pray there. No one will see you there, but your father will. He doesn't want performance prayers in that sense, performing in front of other people. Neither does he want performance prayers before God. So then he calls out the pagans who um, babble, who use a lot of words, maybe a lot of, you know, very religious words or set formal words or just words that are rolling off their tongue. I don't know. But Jesus seemed to think that they also were trying to perform to God. He says that they think they'll be heard because of their many words. No, Jesus says, don't be like that either. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus is like, I want you to get away from that whole performance mindset whether it's performing in front of other people or performing for God, I just don't want you to pray like that at all. I've got a different way for you to pray. Pray like this. 
our Father. Pray like a child. It's a completely different basis on which to pray. Not performance, but as a child. Let me give you this example, this illustration, which has always helped me. When you as a child, you can either remember your, your days as a little child, or perhaps you, you have a little child of your own. When a child falls over and grazes their knee, especially a young child, they are shocked, they're hurt, they're crying, and the thing they tend to do is they run to a parent. I've had this experience many times myself, the kids fall over, crack their head or bump their knee or whatever, and they run over to me, daddy, daddy. And what they want in that moment is they want me to like sweep them up, hold them close, uh, kiss their wounds, usually, oh, bring it here, give it a kiss. Let them know that they're loved. They want that sweet moment of communion. They also trust their parent that they know what to do here. I know, I know you know what to do when I've busted my knee or hit my head or whatever. I know you know, so I'm coming to you because you, you'll, you'll make it right. You'll sort it out. And it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? What children don't do, what they tend not to do, is to go, uh, is to run over and go, I need um, antiseptic, I need a plaster, we're gonna need to sort out my electrolytes, get some Savlon on this thing. They don't sort of list out what they think I should do there. The more important thing Maybe 95% of it is, would you just hold me right now? I, I'm sort of willing to vouch that for children, the, the biggest thing is, can I just know that you love me right now? I just need to be held. And they also, especially if they're in a lot of pain, will say, Look, I, I need you to come up with a solution here. It's really hurting. Now, I think actually, even into adult life, I'm going to venture to say, and as things get more serious in adult life, and we're beset with deep troubles and woes and maybe illness and all those kind of things, I still think what we really want in those moments is the warmth of that embrace. Oh, Lord, would you just sweep me up right now? I really need to know that I'm loved and we also want to pray, don't we? Lord, I, I know you can do something about this. Would you, would you just take the reins here? That's what it might look like to pray as someone who's not performing, <clears throat> not approaching God in that sort of can I just make a list of stuff that I need right now? And can, given that I've lived quite a godly life and I've prayed the right way, would you, would you give me these things? But rather coming like a child with trust and dependence. That might be what Jesus is looking for and asking us to pray like. 
How might you know, just a few things, just a few things to think about. How might we know if we're not praying like that, if that's not how we're praying? We're not coming to God really for that sweet moment. Oh, I just want to be with you, Lord, right now. For good or ill, like things are going well, things are going bad. I just, I just want to sit with you for a bit. If we're not praying like that, we may notice some of these. Um, you might get angry if you're a performance prayer. Because, of course, you'll come to God with your list. Uh, a bit like what Mary was saying earlier. You'll, you'll sort of come with that thing of, I, I need my antiseptic wipe, the plaster, the electrolytes, and the savlon. That's what I need right now. Can you deliver? And when the Lord doesn't give you precisely what you've asked for, you'll be angry. Because you'll say to God, but hang on, I've lived a godly life, I've done the right things, I go to church, I listen to Mike's sermons, I pray these prayers, I do this stuff, but you're not delivering on your side of the promise. You're not sort of, I'm performing here, and I'm not, it's not, I don't feel it's reciprocated. So I'm angry. Or, or, you might get anxious because, same sort of reason, um, maybe I'm not living right. Maybe there's something I've done. Maybe I'm not praying the right prayers. And maybe I'm not just saying it right or going to enough prayer meetings. That's why the Lord's not given me what I'm asking in prayer. Now I'm anxious. I'm worried that I'm not, I'm not doing something right. Still performance prayers. Just the flip side. Or you might get apathetic. All the A's. Angry, anxious, apathetic. My prayers aren't being answered, despite the fact that I've done it loads. I've asked for this over and over and over and over again. I put X, Y, and Z in. Don't seem to be getting A, B, and C out. So what's the point? It's still a performance prayer. It's still done on the basis of performance, not on the basis of a child and a father. In that sense, you're sort of a tenant in the house of the Lord. You know what tenants do? Tenants, they, they're sort of in the house, sharing the meals. They might be in the owner's house. And of course, the deal is that you pay rent you don't mess things up, and you expect, therefore, to be treated a certain way. I get a room, or I get a home, or all that sort of thing. Um, and if I don't get those things, or I, they're not sort of up to my expectations, then I'm upset about that. But we're not relating to God as tenants. But children, we come to God on that basis. Let me just give you a couple of verses. John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John again, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So think of that. When you, when you come to prayer... Is it just because I just want to be with my father? That's really all I want. I want to be, I want to know that embrace and love of God. I want to just spend time right here, like a child running into their parents' lap. No agenda. 
I just want to hang out here for a bit. I want to pray. I just want to be here. I want to offer you what's going on in my life. I'm not going to list it out. I'm not going to list out what I think the solutions might be. I just trust you. I just trust you. You know. You know what to do. I'm just going to hang out here. That's, that's a childlike prayer. And that is how we pray all the prayers in the Lord's Prayer, as the whole prayer is on that basis. So we don't change it up in the Lord's Prayer. When we're praying the Lord's Prayer, I trust we all know the Lord's Prayer, we don't sort of switch it and go, Sovereign Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Then Creator God, you know, give us today our daily bread. And then Judge of all the earth, would you forgive me my sins as we forgive those who sin against us? Would you keep me for temptation? No, every single one of our prayers in the Lord's Prayer is, Father, may your kingdom come. Father, give us today our daily bread. Father, forgive us our sins. Father, lead me not into temptation. It's on that basis all of our prayers are made. Which means we have the greatest possible confidence coming to God because we can ask him for everything as father I know in this church maybe a couple of weeks ago I know that someone rang up and asked their dad to come and help them take their pet to an emergency vet in the middle of the night right now you you couldn't ask a stranger to do that. You can ask a stranger for directions to the train station. You can't ask a landlord to do that kind of thing, right? Because the landlord would be like, what, it's 1am in the morning, what are you talking about? You know? You, you might potentially ask a friend, although I doubt it, unless that friend was kind of moving towards a sort of family relationship, I doubt you would ask a friend to do something like that. You can ask a father. You can ask a parent at 1 a.m., would you come and help me take my pet down the road? Jesus wants us to have the greatest possible confidence to come to our Father in any and every situation for daily bread, for the needs that we have, for the sins, for the things that we've done wrong, and in any time, in any place, in any situation. We come to God on that basis. So we come to God as our Father. Point two, we come to God together. We pray our, our Father. I don't know if you noticed this. We, I don't know how many times you've prayed the Lord's Prayer, how many times you've said it. But uh, we're particularly aware. In fact, we're quite aware of pronouns these days. We pray our and us throughout the whole prayer. If you switch it, I don't know if you've ever tried this as an experiment. We could do it right now. If you switch it to my and me, it sounds really weird. So if you start going, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, give me today my daily bread. Forgive me my sins. Lead me not into temptation. Sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Sounds a bit strange. Sounds a bit selfish even. We pray our, us. 
throughout. Now, Jesus does expect us to pray on our own, right? Because he's actually said that. Go to your room. Don't be like the people who want to, you know, pray on the street corners and in the synagogues. Get, in, get on your own with God. Pray in your room. Close the door. Yes, he's, he's certainly saying that. And particularly if you're tempted to do performance prayers in front of other people, definitely get in your room. <laughs> but he certainly had on his mind... Perhaps it was his more normal expectation that his people would pray together. Our. Us. God's people praying God's kind of prayers, the Lord's Prayer, together, saying, Our Father. That's the pattern that Jesus set for his disciples and he expected that pattern of prayer to change the world. Pray like this, disciples. Pray our prayers. Pray together, and you will change the world. And of course, they did change the world. I'm going to conclude this thought with a little piece just on the subject of inclusion. A really important word for us. Um, a much used word around church life. And I want to just explore it for just a moment. Church is everywhere. And I, I, think I'm, I think I'm safe to say I'm speaking for all of us here as well want to mimic what they see in the heart of this God we call Father. We want to have a church, I take it, we want to be a church family uh, that mimic God's welcome, that open arms, the beckoning in, the love, generous grace, of a father, like the son with the prodigal, running in to the father, who's kind of running out to the son. That's the kind of welcome every church, every group of Christians everywhere wants to mimic. We want to be the people of God who offer the welcome of God as people come among us here. I, I, I'm guessing that is the case. Now, will God grant that kind of warmth to a church family, will he give us that? Will he give us a depth to that? A sincerity to that? A real sincerity to that sense of participation and you're part of this and you're here and you're amongst it and you're in the family. Will he give us that because A, we put the right words on our website Or B, because we pray these things in our prayers. Jesus seems to imagine that if we pray, let's take that middle line, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
you pray that, seems to be in Jesus's mind what will build a community that he can call his church. That is the centerpiece. If you can be a people who pray, forgive us our sins this way, with the Lord, as we forgive one another in this community we call the church, Jesus is like, that will be the basis upon which anyone can be a part. Anyone. Remember that Jesus, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, this prayer, this Lord's Prayer. It is the place where Jesus sets out the highest moral standards, really, that have not been surpassed in 2,000 years. In fact, remember, the whole time he's saying, oh, you've heard that it was wrong to, I don't know, steal. Well, I tell you, if you cover, you know, if you, if you go after things in your mind, that is sinful. He raises the bar. He does it in every area in the Sermon on the Mount. He goes throughout all the different parts of life and says, here's the standard. Here's God's standard. It is crazy high. But in the middle of this, he's speaking to his disciples and saying, I tell you how you're going to hold this thing together following Jesus. The way you're going to hold this community together, the way this will be a genuinely inclusive place is if you are praying prayers like this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's when God's people are this community of reconciling forgiveness and grace that we find deep, real, meaningful inclusion. And that comes out of our prayers. It doesn't come when we stick it on the website. It doesn't come if we say the right things in a doctrinal statement. It comes when God's people pray. There's a little phrase, it comes up in the Latin. Uh, it came up around about the fifth century. Anything theological is usually in Latin. And it goes like this. It goes lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. Right, there you go, a little bit of Latin for you. What it basically means is how we pray is how we believe, which will be how we live. See that? Or, or the church has sort of broadened it out. Lex Arandi, the way we worship, the way we pray together, Lex Credendi, is the way we believe. That's what we will believe together. Lex Vivendi, is the way we will live. That's what we will live like. Jesus has taught his disciples, pray like this, forgive each other. That will create the belief that, that will produce in us, this is how I will think and believe, and that will produce in us a way of life that genuinely creates a Christian community where people can know the welcome and grace of God our Father and together work out what it means to follow Jesus. Let me summarize. We come to Jesus, much like the disciples, teach us how to pray. And the first two words that Jesus says to his disciples is pray like this. 
Father, come to him on that basis and come to him together. Pray these prayers together. And Jesus seems to think when his disciples do that, they will change the world. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the words of Jesus here and we thank you for this world-changing prayer. We thank you for the truth of those words, our Father. We hold each other to you now, Lord God, in prayer and ask for this church family that we would know a sweet depth to our communion with you as a child with their parent and we would know it together and that praying in this way Lord Jesus we would create by the power of your Holy Spirit a deeply welcoming church family do that in us Lord and as I pray I just want to pray for particularly for Sam, Sam here with us, Sam Kiani, who I know is awaiting decisions around his status here in the UK. We pray for Sam. Father, we pray for Rod Harvey. He's been commissioned over at Southend Vineyard. A number of uh, our folks are over there with him today. Pray for Rod. And we pray for all of us, Lord, as we process what it means to be worshipping you, Lord Jesus, praying to you today, following after you together, here in South End. Show us again, Lord, even as we cast all our burdens that they did at the beginning of this service and put all of our anxieties on you and look to you, Lord, for the answers. You know best. We trust you as a father. Show us the way, Lord God, we pray and give us that childlike dependence that just loves your embrace, your care, your great love for us in all things. And we ask in Jesus' name.